Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 18th of September 2011, entitled, The Day a Suicidal Sought the Saviour, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 16, verses 19 to 34. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Okay, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Acts chapter 16. I'm trying to find my sermon. There it is. Acts chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to preach uh, a message this morning entitled, The Day a Suicidal Sought the Saviour. And uh, this is going to be quite an unusual um, preaching this morning because it's going to be in two parts. And um, we're going to do part two next Sunday morning. But um, if you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 16, and if you'd like to stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to um, start... In uh, verse 19, Acts chapter 16, verse 19 says, And when her masters saw that their hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this reading. And we just pray, dear Lord, as we uh, just think, Lord, upon a few thoughts from this passage of scripture, that you will make them very real to us and help us to see um, the Lord Jesus Christ, And help us to see, dear Lord, what we need to do if we're going to ever get saved. And help us, Lord, to see as well how we are to be a testimony to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder, do you know um, how many people in the world will commit suicide today? Well, the World Health Organization on their website They say that every day, 2,777 people 
will commit suicide. That's one every 40 seconds. So there's going to be around 45 people by the end of this message that would have gone into eternity, that would have committed suicide. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And you know that many of these people, they commit suicide because they've just lost hope. They've got to the end of themselves and they see that there is no other way. There's no way out. And they see that the only thing that they can do, the last thing, the last resource that they have is to take their own lives. Helic and myself, when we, uh, when we used to work in Chester, uh, we knew uh, of a few people, and I'm sure that there's probably one or two here this morning that have known somebody um, or uh, somebody who knows somebody who has actually committed suicide. But we used to uh, know a young man called uh, Colin, and uh, he used to come to the mission quite often. Uh, we used to have um, a care store on the Tuesday morning, and he used to come most mornings, and uh, he used to play his guitar in the streets, and um, things got bad for him. And he seemed to be a quiet kind of person, and he seemed to be able to deal with things, but unfortunately for him, things just got too much for him, and the only way out was for him to take his own life, and that's exactly what he did. And he must have been about 30 years of age, but he is just one of a million people every year that will take this way out. And here we have a story this morning of a jailer who would have done the same had he have not seen some things that day. And we're going to look at four things, but today we're just going to have a look at one thing that he saw. And the first thing we're going to look at this morning is that he saw the saints. Notice in verse 22, it says... And the multitude rose up together against them. This is against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Verse 24, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. We're not told here whether or not this jailer had a part in beating um, these two Christians, but he definitely saw the stripes that were laid upon their bodies. You know, um, it says here that they were that the that the jailer put them into some stocks. I don't know if you've ever seen stocks, but if you would like to go and see some today, go and, go and take a trip to uh, a place near Blackpool. It's called Poultonly Fylde, and uh, it's an old village. And there, right in the centre of the village, they have um, some stocks made out of wood. And there's a, like, round holes just made for the feet, made for the hands, and people used to walk by. These, these were used to be criminals. Maybe they got caught stealing or something, and people used to pass by, and they used to throw uh, different things at the people that were in the stocks. Um, well, that was probably not, um, not like politically correct today. They wouldn't do anything like that, would they? But um, here we have an account of two Christians that were put in the prison, who were put in the stocks, and they had stripes put upon them. They were beaten. We don't know that the, the jailer actually um, did this, had a part in it, but he definitely saw the stripes. And the first thing I want us to 
see here this morning, when he saw the saints, first of all, he saw the saints being punished. I wonder if when Paul was in that prison and he was suffering for Jesus Christ, that his mind, his thoughts went back to the time when, do you remember Stephen? Chapter 7 of Acts and chapter 8. And we read how Stephen was beaten. He was stoned. Why? He was stoned for his faith. And he was executed. And it says in Acts 7 verse 58, it says about Stephen, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. This is the Apostle Paul. In Acts 8 verse 1 it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. We see here that Paul, Saul at that time, was very um, eager to get hold of these Christians and to see them being not only beaten but to be stoned. And he was consenting unto their deaths. Isn't it amazing how God turns events around? It's incredible. Now we see Paul, the apostle, born-again Christian, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we see the apostle Paul, he's been beaten and he's been put into the prison. Why? Because of his faith. And we see that God has turned things around. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a man called Matthew Henry, but he once said this. He says that when sinners are converted, they will love and honor those whom they before despised and hated and will seek to lessen the sufferings they before desired to increase. And we see this happening now with the Apostle Paul. You remember the story, the true story of uh, five missionaries that actually went out from uh, America. And the, I think this was uh, probably around maybe the 60s. Uh, one of them was called Jim Elliott. And um, they went to Ecuador in South America, and they went to um, be missionaries, take the gospel to the Orca Indians. And I um, don't know if you uh, read the story, but um, they were actually uh, martyred for their faith. But do you know what happened later to one of those that actually killed one of these, uh, one of these missionaries? Later came to faith, later came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, one that was persecuted. And we're going to see as we look through this story how, thing, how God changes and turns around events. It's incredible. And um, when I thought about that, it really uh, brought this um, to, to my um, mind. And uh, you know that the Bible says that if we are to live godly for Jesus Christ, we've looked at this verse this morning, it doesn't say that we're maybe we're going to suffer persecution. It says that we shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this. He says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now this may not mean that you're going to be thrown into prison for your faith. It may mean that, but it may not. But it means that we're either going to be persecuted in one way or another. It might be we are humiliated in front of people. 
And you know, that happens many times. And that happens when we're trying to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 9 and verse 16, the apostle Paul heard these words. God said to him, he says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And you know, if we're going to live godly for Christ Jesus, persecution is going to come one way or the other. It will. Uh, a couple of quotes uh, here about persecution. But one man said that persecution often does in this life what the last great day will do completely, and that's to separate the wheat from the tares. That's what persecution is going to do. And you know, many people have said that this is what this land today needs. It needs a bit of persecution within the church. And it's to separate the wheat from the tares. And, um, you know, it's, uh, persecution of, often does that. It has that effect upon Christianity. And it often brings the best out. You know, we've been studying the life of Joseph. And we're seeing this, how, how this happened to him. And how he was persecuted. And how he was thrown into a prison. Well, how God meant that for good. And how he meant his, his life and his circumstances to be a testimony and to be a witness to God. Somebody else once said, if you are under any illusions about the attitude of this world towards Jesus Christ, try really living for him for one week and you will find out. Why don't we do that this next week? Why don't we really try living for Jesus Christ? And let's just see what might happen. I wonder, have you ever been ridiculed for being a Christian? Are you being ridiculed now? You may be somebody within your own house, maybe workmates. And, you know, it's not a very nice situation to be in. And, you know, I can remember situations when um, I was working with the Birmingham City Mission and we used to go out into the streets twice a week and there was one young man and he used to come marching down that um, new street every time almost that we were out there on the streets and uh, he would break up conversations that we were having and he would really get in there and uh, he would humiliate us in front of people that we were trying to witness to. And it was difficult. It was. He was eventually actually taken to, to, um, to the police station uh, because he actually physically um, hit somebody from, from our team. But, um, you know, persecution, humiliation, being ridiculed, if we're going to live godly for Christ Jesus, we can expect some of these things to, to take place. And you know that the Lord Jesus Christ knows all about it. And you know, we may think that we're on our own. We may think that nobody outside there really cares or really knows about what's going on. But be assured that there is one who knows what's going on, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just um, read to you from Mark chapter 15. And um, we see here very clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly what we're going through. He knows about suffering and he knows about being ridiculed. Mark 15 and verse 29, and um, it says, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that desirest the temple and buildest it in three days, Save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests 
mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Verse 32, let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that crucified, and they that were crucified with him, says it reviled him. Even those that were next to him on the cross. The Bible says that they reviled him. Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be persecuted and to be ridiculed. We can take comfort in that. He's not some God who's so far away, sitting on some golden throne who has no thought or he has no interest in what's going on in our lives as Christians. He knows. And the Bible says that he feels those things as well. You know that when we as Christians do suffer for Jesus Christ, that it's a testimony to our faith. Not only did this jailer see the saints being punished, but secondly, he saw them praying. Verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. And then it goes on to say, And the prisoners heard them. This jailer would most likely have seen these Christians praying to their God. Can you imagine maybe what they were thinking as they were praying? Maybe they thought, this God that you, you trust in and you believe in, he's got you in this place, in this prison, and you're praying to him? You think he really cares? Look where you are. We could have said this about Joseph this morning, couldn't we? God really cares about you, Joseph. Look where you are. Well, the Bible says that God was with him. And he found grace, the Bible says. I wonder, what do you think that maybe uh, Paul and Silas were praying at midnight? You think maybe they were praying, Lord, save us from this situation. Lord, please let us be released. Lord, let these jailers, let these people, these magistrates, these rulers, may let you let thunder come down upon them and judge them, Lord. Interesting to think what these two may have been praying at this time. But maybe they were praying for the salvation of those around them. Maybe they were praying for the prisoners. Maybe they were even praying for the jailer to be saved. I wonder how often do we pray for those around us, maybe those who are persecuting us, those that are ridiculing us for being Christians. How often do we pray for the lost? Psalm 119, verse 62, the psalmist says that, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Notice here when the psalmist rises up to pray. He says it's at midnight. I wonder has there ever been a time maybe in your lives where as Christians that you've thanked God maybe for being ridiculed, maybe for those that have been close to you, maybe for persecuting you. And maybe it's late at night. Maybe everybody's in bed and it's just you and the Lord. And you can just say, Lord, thank you for letting me suffer for you today. 
I wonder, have you ever had to cry out, maybe to God, at a midnight hour, maybe even in the middle of the day, and you may have been suffering for Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in a midnight crisis right now in your lives. Well, let's just have a look at what the Scripture teaches that we must do when we are in a midnight hour. Let's look to the the book of Psalms. And, you know, uh, I find that the book of Psalms is one of the best books to read uh, when, we're going through, when we're going through trials. And, uh, you know, we get different psalmists. They're not, it's not just King David, but there are different psalmists from different times, different generations that speak about their experiences. And if we just turn to Psalm chapter 6, and we see the first thing uh, that we need to do. Maybe when we're in a, that midnight hour uh, time in our day or of our lives as Christians. And um, verse 6 says this. The psalmist says, I am weary with my groaning all the night long. Sorry, all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Have you ever done that? Have you ever cried? In the night, maybe cried in that midnight hour, that midnight time when you're in trouble. Verse 7, the psalmist says, Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And then in verse 8, he says, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And then he says, For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. And one of the first things we need to do we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we need to know that he hears our voice. He sees the tears as well. The Bible says that he saves the tears. We need to encourage ourselves and know that he hears us. Secondly, chapter 17 of the Psalms, we see here that God, he visits us in the midnight hour. Psalm 17 and verse 3. The psalmist says, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. But just notice at the beginning of that verse, it says that thou hast visited me in the night. Wonderful promise from God that he will visit us. He hears us, and he will visit us. That's something to be encouraged by, isn't it? We're not on our own. We're not left all alone. But God will visit us. The Bible says that he is a very present time. He's a very present help in times of trouble. Wonderful. Psalm 30 and verse 5. And we see here that sometimes maybe weeping in the night may seem as though it will never go away. Well, the Bible says that there is a time coming when it will. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but for a moment. And then he says, In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh when? In the morning. What a wonderful promise that is. Charles uh, Haddon Spurgeon said about this verse, he said that nights 
are not forever. And that is very true. The morning always comes. And the Bible says here that joy cometh in the morning. And you know, when we think about the morning, we often think about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? The son of righteousness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon went on to say this. He said, that when the son of righteousness comes, he will wipe our eyes and joy chases out intruding sorrow. The Bible says that one day those tears will be wiped all away. There'll be no more. Wonderful. Weeping may endure for a night, for a short time, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, I'm looking forward, as Chris has been saying this morning, for the rapture. That's the next great event to happen. That's the time where those tears are going to be wiped away. Joy cometh in the morning. When that rapture happens, the joy, we shall be changed, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. Not only did this jailer see the saints being punished and praying, but thirdly, he saw them praising as well. Verse 25 of Acts 16 says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and then it says, And sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Another couple of quotes from the Psalms. Psalm 42, verse 8, the psalmist says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. Wonderful. Psalm 40, verse 3, the psalmist says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And I believe that this is what we can see here with Paul. I don't know what kind of songs that he may have been singing before. He may have been singing songs in the temple. But here, I believe that he's... um, that Paul and Silas, they're singing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, that is a new song. I don't know what kind of songs that you were singing before you became a Christian, but you probably weren't singing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I wasn't. The Bible says here, he hath put a new song in my mouth. That's what he's done to you if you're a Christian here this morning. And Psalm 96, verse 1 to verse 3. Let's just have a look. Um, of what the psalmist says here about praising the Lord. Psalm 93, sorry, Psalm 96 and verses 1 down to verse 3. The psalmist says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, how much of the earth? All the earth. And you know, one day all the earth will be singing praises to our God. Verse 2 Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. In verse 3, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. And I believe that Paul here, while he was singing in the prison, was showing forth God's praises. We're going to see a little bit more of that next week. Because you know this jailer, asked what he must do to be saved. So he knew a little bit about salvation. And, you know, it could have been that Paul and Silas were doing exactly what he was saying here in verse 3. Declare his glory among the heathen. 
his wonders among all people. Maybe he was singing songs of salvation in the prison. You know, that's one thing that we try to do when we go out on our outreaches. We're not singing the world's music. That's got nothing, that's got no hope for those that are lost in sin. The songs that the world needs to hear are praises to our God. Pray songs of salvation, how people can get saved. The Bible says there's only one way that people can get saved, and that is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he died for their sins. He was buried, and the third day he rose again from the dead. You invite him into your hearts and lives to become Christians. Simple as that. You know, this jailer needed to hear some of these songs, needed to hear the way of salvation. Um, and notice that when we're reading here about them singing praises unto God in the prison, notice that it doesn't say that Paul and Silas were complaining. It doesn't say that they were moaning about their situation in the prison. They were singing praises. They were singing thanks, songs of thanks to God. That just doesn't fit, does it, in the world today? How... How can you sing praises to somebody who's put you into that place, into that situation? But we see here that God's people can sing to God, even in those times. Songs of praise to our God. Songs of salvation. You know that Paul, he had to learn a very valuable lesson while he was in Philippi. And one of those lessons was that he needed to learn contentment. Let's just have a look. Philippians chapter 4. And we were thinking again this morning of, um, of, of Joseph. And you know, Joseph could have risen up many times and he could have started complaining about his situation. He could have complained to the people, to his brothers around him. He could have complained to God. But we don't read that anywhere in the Scriptures. We don't read that Paul and Silas did this as well. And um, I believe that one of the reasons why they were not complaining is that they were, they were learning to be content in whatever situation that they were in. And uh, we see that from verse 11, uh, chapter 4 and verse 11. And um, Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have, what's the next word? Learned. And this is something that Paul had to experience in order for him to learn it. And it's the same with us as well. He says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And yes, this may mean persecution. It may mean being put in a prison. It may be being ridiculed. But you know, in all these situations, the Lord is at work in our lives and he's trying to educate us and he's trying to help us to learn something. And that's for us to learn to be content in whatever situation that he puts us in. And verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through who? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And he is the one that was strengthening Paul, and Silas in that prison 
He was the one who was giving them songs in the night hour, in the midnight hour. And he's the same one today, friends. Has God changed? He's not. The Bible says that he is the same today and forever. And he will be the same God for us today. And he will give us a song as well in the night. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews and he says, And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's something that we need to learn. But it's something that we can learn and we can know. And God, through Jesus Christ, can help us and he can strengthen us. And that is God's promise. I wonder how often do we complain how often do we blame God? How often do we blame the circumstances that we're in? It's so easy. You know that the world around us, they're watching. They're watching the way that we deal with situations. It was the same with Paul and Silas in this prison. You know, they had people around them. They had the world watching and seeing how they were dealing with the situation. But we can see here, that Paul and Silas were being true witnesses for the Lord. And that's how God wants us to, to live our lives as well. I wonder what kind of testimony are we going to leave with people? What kind of testimony are we going to have Monday morning when we're at work? Maybe Wednesday afternoon. What kind of testimony are we going to have on a Friday when we're out there where it really counts? We can see here, that this jailer is being led to the Lord by these Christians' testimony. He saw them. I wonder this morning, the last question I'm going to ask, that is somebody being led to the Lord through yours and my testimony? Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you this morning. We thank you for Paul and Silas. We thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you, dear Lord, that we will never be in a place that you don't know that we're in it, or even a situation. And dear Lord, when maybe the clouds seem to be gathering and when things around us don't seem to be as we would like them, we pray, dear Lord, that even as Joseph was in that prison, that you would help us to have a testimony. Help us, dear Lord, to be encouraged and to know that you hear our prayers. Help us to, to know, dear Lord, that you are very present with us. And we pray, dear Lord, that you would put a song within our hearts and help us, dear Lord, to learn to be content with such things as we have. And Lord, thank you for that wonderful promise that Christ is the one who will strengthen us. And Lord, we just pray that as we go out of this building today, that you'll just help us to be reminded that our lives are to be a testimony to those all around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.